You're listening to Unexpected, the podcast bringing you real conversations from those of us who have suffered pregnancy and infant loss. With comfort and hope for the future, I'm your host, Ashley Bitterman. Today I'm talking to Skye, who has channeled her grief from several pregnancy losses, most traumatic being her medical termination of her daughter Lennox, into writing a book and hosting a support group to help others who have also suffered tremendous loss. Good morning, Sky. I'm so glad to have you today to talk to you and hear about your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be able to share uh, my story with you. Yay. So let's jump right into one, two, three. What is one thing you can't live without? Two of your all-time favorite movies and three celebrities you'd want to have dinner with. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I can't live without family. Um, I just love, love my family. I always have. I've always been really family based. Um, grew up really close with my family. And now that I have my own, I just love it to bits. Um, two movies that I love. Yes. Uh, I love Pretty Woman. <laughs> oh, yes, a classic. Love that movie. Every time I watch it, I just have a big smile on my face. I don't know what it is about the movie. Um, it's just so humorous and amazing. It's so good. Um, it's always on TV. Like, and right? every time it's on, I watch it. <laughs> I get so excited. I'm like, ooh, we're doing this again. <laughs> I know. Um, and then probably The Matrix. I love The Matrix. Oh, great answer. That, yeah. I feel like it's a big movie, but it's underrated in terms of like favorites. I know. And I finally got my 12 year old daughter to watch it. And she was like, her mind was blown. So it was like, oh, yes. Okay. I can share this with somebody. Yeah, it'll do that. <laughs> yeah. And then three was, sorry, what? Three celebrities you'd want to have dinner with. Oh, okay. Mm, Ellen DeGeneres. Ah, love her. She'd be hilarious. Yeah. Um, ooh. Well, it would have been Betty White up until a couple of days ago. Or yes. days ago. Um, I just love her humor and her zest for life and how she stands up for everything she believes in, even if it's not a popular opinion, especially for how old she was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Icon. I know, right? Um, and then probably Meg Boggs. She's an Instagrammer. <laughs> I don't know her. No. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. She uh, she's a weightlifter and she's like super strong and body positivity and uh, she's just so real and honest and I just love everything about her and what she does. Oh, great. Um, Meg Boggs, is that what you said? Yes. All right, I'm going to write her name down and check her out as soon as we're done here. So Sky, tell me a little bit about you, your husband, um, your three children. Yeah. Um, so I'm a stay-at-home mom. I work online um, doing content creation and I run my own Instagram and website. Um, so it's kind of like the perfect blend of everything I've ever wanted because I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I also wanted something that I was passionate about so that I didn't lose myself in the process. Oh, love that. <laughs> um, my husband, uh, he works in the automotive industry. He's uh, the stepdad to my oldest daughter. Um, we knew each other before I got married. He was friends with my cousin and we were always just really friendly. And then when I went through my divorce, uh, he popped back up and we were inseparable. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. We moved in right away, got married, had more kids. Um, he's just like an amazing human. He's so supportive of everything that I do. And he always pushes me to be better. Oh, can you ask for anything more? It's amazing. And he's a wonderful dad. He's so hands-on. Um, yeah. He's just, you know, makes life amazing and worth everything um and my kids are amazing so my oldest daughter's 12 um she's very spunky <laughs> um, and then I have a sassy six-year-old uh she's amazing and then a two-year-old son who is like the sweetest little human he's yeah I, oh. enough amazing things I could say about him he just oh my gosh light after like a long road <laughs> Oh, you got like the spunk, the sass and the sweetness. It's like the perfect oh, yeah. blend. <laughs> it is. It's like chaos when they're all together. <laughs> oh, that's so fun though. Never yeah. a dull moment. Never. Lots <laughs> of stories I could tell. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and for the rest of your life, <laughs> that's it. Okay. So how long were you and Dion together before you decided 
to try to get pregnant, pregnant. I know you had a 12 year old or now she's 12, but you had a daughter previously. So was that something that you guys had talked about going into it that you knew you'd want to do together? Yeah, we were very open about it. Um, that was my take on it. I didn't have time to waste. I had a 12, well, she wasn't 12 at the time. She was three at the time. Okay. Um, when we got together, I was very vocal about needing to plan out our lives and knowing if we were moving forward with our relationship. I wasn't actually wanting to have more kids at all. Mm. Um, just my experience before wasn't that great. Um, so I was like, okay, one and done, it's fine. Um, but then I met him and I saw him with my daughter and the way that he lit up when he talked about kids. I was like, I either need to break up with this man or decide if I'm willing to have kids with him. Wow. So that was the only two options I had. So we definitely talked about it. And before we got engaged um, or even moved in, we were talking about what that would look like if there would be more kids, when they would happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like a real ultimatum right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he never made it one. He said, you know, like I've always wanted kids, having a stepkid would be the same for me, but I just, when I looked at him, I was like, there's no way this man can't have his own biological kids. Oh yeah. You didn't want to deprive him of that dream. Yeah. And I mean, you just briefly referenced it in um, talking about your experience prior, but you've unfortunately dealt with pregnancy loss quite a few times. And this is something nobody should ever have to deal with even once, but you've, you've experienced it three times. Yes. Oh my goodness. So my understanding, you suffered two miscarriages and a TFMR. Yes. My goodness. Okay. That is a lot to have to deal with over and over and over again. What was the result of your first pregnancy? My first pregnancy with my daughter was easy. She wasn't planned. Um, she was a wonderful surprise um, into motherhood and I'm so thankful for it. Um, but pregnancy was so easy for me. So when we were talking about having more kids, it never crossed my mind that uh, it would turn out the way it did. Um, so yeah, I was just, we just always assumed I'd get pregnant, we'd have kids and that's the way it would go. It'd be bang, bang, bang. And we'd have the family that we planned out, but uh, like yep. <laughs> other ideas <laughs> yeah and then you know they say innocence is bliss but we aren't educated or taught that this is a possibility you're taught don't have sex because you might get pregnant but you're not prepared for it might not go the way that you think it's going to go and this naivety of oh we'll just have kids and we'll get pregnant and we'll be fine and it sounds like you had that the first time around in you got pregnant without even trying. Yep. So what happened the next time you were, got pregnant? Yeah, so we planned to get married and then start trying right away, um, just as my daughter was already uh, four um, by the time we were married. And we got pregnant. Uh, it took us a couple tries, but we got pregnant pretty quickly. Um, and then at six weeks um, on Halloween, while we were trick-or-treating, I started having back pain and cramps. And then when I got to the washroom, I was bleeding. Oh. And uh, we got the blood test. And that's when we learned that I was miscarrying. Mm. I didn't deal with it at all. I kind of just... We had told people I was pregnant uh, just because I was so excited about it and didn't think anything would happen. Um, sure. So I didn't really deal with it. I was kind of emotional about trying to pretend it wasn't happening. We got pregnant the following month. So I pretended that my pregnancy continued. Wow. Okay. That's very quick turnaround time. Yeah. Um, were you trying at that point? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be pregnant so bad and I didn't want to deal with my emotions that I was like, the sooner I can get pregnant, the sooner I can just be happy again. Um, wow. But it, it really was an emotional thing because everyone just assumed that I didn't lose a baby and that I was just pregnant because nobody actually keeps count of how long you're pregnant for. Yes. So you aren't giving yourself the space to process that yeah. you lost a baby and process it, grieve it. And that takes significant healing. And I totally understand the, I just want to be pregnant. So I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen. But then, you know, looking back, you didn't give yourself that space that you likely needed. Yeah. 
And then what's it like to get pregnant again after a loss and so quickly? Oh, it was emotional. Uh, I was terrified every time I went to the washroom. I was always checking for blood. I, every cramp that I had, I was like, oh my God, I'm losing the baby. I probably harassed my doctor so many times freaking out. Um, Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, it was emotional. Um, but once I hit the, the middle of my pregnancy, I started to feel better. I was like, okay, this feels a lot more like my last pregnancy. I can breathe. It was just a one-off. It's totally fine. Um, and then I was good to go because my baby got here. So I just, I felt like it was just like a blip in my thing and I was just not going to pay attention to it. Wow. So do you have any type of regret for not giving yourself space to grieve or do you feel like it was the right thing to do at that time? I mean, now that my daughter's here, I'm glad that we got pregnant right away. Um, but when I had my other losses, that one came flooding back yeah. in a big way. Um, and I was hit with it all over again and felt all this immense guilt. Hmm. Yeah, I imagine so. Cause you feel like you're not giving that baby the proper grieving that it may have deserved and, and yourself, like you, went through a loss and that's not something you just quickly bounce back from and move on from. And it's almost like you were given another loss to give you another chance at, at grieving. Yeah. So can, let's talk about your pregnancy with Lennox. How did you find out you were pregnant with her? Yeah. So, uh, when Rayan, my daughter that did get here, uh, she was, I believe almost two at the time. And we had decided to start trying again. Cause I wanted kids really close together. Mm -hmm. Um, because her and her sister are six years apart. So we were, we were going to be like, bang, bang. Um, so that's what we thought was going to happen. And, uh, my pregnancy with Lennox, uh, we got pregnant with her right away. First try. Um, and the pregnancy was not, I mean, I was so, so sick. Uh, I was on medication because I just couldn't stop throwing up. Um, <laughs> it was definitely the worst bout of morning sickness I've ever had. Oh man. Um, and the pregnancy, I mean, it was pretty good besides that. Uh, it felt fine, but emotionally, I just didn't feel connected like I did with my other pregnancies. Interesting. There was something that always felt a little bit off about it. I wasn't having dreams about if it was a girl or a boy. I wasn't getting as excited or doing as much planning. Um, I felt like I was dragging my heels with the pregnancy. And do you have any inclination as to why that was? Or was it, did you notice that was happening in the moment? Uh, I mean, there were a couple things that came up for me, but I kind of just was like, no, that's probably just because I've had a loss before that I'm just, you know, really hesitant. Um, yes. So I was trying to just, you know, be positive because I was a very, really positive person back then. I was like, you know, put the good stuff in the universe and all good things will come. Um, okay. so I just kept like reiterating that. Um, and I just kept waiting to get to the ultrasound to have them tell me everything was going to be fine. And then I could breathe again and be like, everything's normal. See, it was all in my head, but that's not really the way it went. <laughs> Yeah. And I totally get your, you, you're trying to balance. You want to stay positive and be excited and be optimistic, but you're also trying to shield yourself from potentially immense pain if something goes wrong again. So it's, it's just a balancing act. Yeah. And how far along were you when you found out that there was something wrong? Yeah, it was our 20 week ultrasound. Um, that we went in for. Uh, I was so hyper-focused on finding out if it was a girl or boy. <laughs> yep. Uh, that I was just like excited when I went into the room and um, just, she was so bubbly when I first met the technician, but then as soon as she started the scan, uh, she just got really quiet. Um, her eyes kind of glazed over and uh, it just started to feel really cold. Um, and I just kept watching her, but she just kept leaving the room. So I was there for probably 15 minutes of her taking pictures. And she just kept saying, oh, your baby's moving. So it's really hard to get the pictures. Wow. Um, but I couldn't feel the baby move at all. So I was like, well, that doesn't really line up. Um, and then she called my husband in and uh, was showing him. And it was a really thorough showing of the baby, which I thought was weird because they usually don't spend that much time. Hmm. Um, and then my husband said, does everything look good? And she said, I can't answer that either way, which wow. has never been my experience with a technician. 
So did you know right away something was wrong? In my heart, I did. Um, I called my mom crying on the way home saying, just explaining what, what had happened. And she just kept saying, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. And the technician had given me photos and my baby looked perfect in all of the ultrasounds. Um, but I'm not a doctor. Right. <laughs> um, and my mom just kept saying, it's all in my head. I'm just nervous because of my loss, because uh, family had lost a baby as well. So those were just fears that were perpetuating themselves. Um, and that uh, in a couple of days I would hear from the doctor and everything would be fine. Um, so I kind of just tried to let it go, especially because it was my oldest daughter's birthday and we had a mom and daughter weekend getaway and she had a dance recital. So I was just, you know, a lot going on trying to, again, remain positive. Oh my gosh. And what do you, yeah. How do you spend those next few days knowing you're going to be getting a phone call? You don't know what they're going to say. And you also still have to go on with daily life and your daughter's birthday. Yeah. It was a lot. Uh, and I think I did a pretty good job of just staying present um, and trying not to overthink it, uh, which I'm really thankful for because I think it's one really good memory my daughter's had of me before, you know, life kind of exploded. Because mm. uh, two days later, I did get the phone call saying, you and your husband need to drop everything you're doing and get to the doctor's office right away. Oh, man. I just remember rushing home and looking at my husband and saying something's wrong with our baby, because if it was something wrong with me, they wouldn't need both of us. <sighs> and uh, yeah, that's that's how that all started. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So you get probably the worst, one of the worst phone calls you'll ever get in your life. And they can't tell you anything because it's over the phone, which automatically you kind of know something's wrong because if everything was okay, they'd say everything's fine. Right. That or they wouldn't call you at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you drop everything you're doing and you go in and what are you told? Oh yeah, this is a moment that I replay in my head over and over and over again. I just remember sitting, waiting for her and she was just, she walked into the room. She's like, you're gonna need to give me a minute. And uh, I think she was trying to compose herself because she knows me enough to know that I'm a crier. <laughs> um, and I just remember her turning around and looking at us and saying, uh, we found brain abnormality on your ultrasound scan. It doesn't look good. And then she went into all the medical lingo and it sounded like Charlie Brown. I kind of just tuned it out and couldn't stop crying. Oh my God. And I'm sure in that moment, like you're being told things that don't make sense. And, and again, you're, just like you said, a Charlie Brown moment of like, she's talking, but there's no possible way you can take that in and understand what she's saying. And what did you take away from that moment? Uh, just that we needed more answers because uh, we live in Kelowna, so they can't give you um, the, the kind of care and the kind of imaging that they need to have a proper diagnosis um, so that we needed to travel to go get that. Um, but all I kept replaying in my head is if it was anything else uh, besides her brain, there would be hope, but your brain's kind of a big one. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, just, uh, I just felt devastated. And did the, did the doctor offer any sense of, of hope or was it just a strictly grim diagnosis? She tried to, she said, you know, uh, we can't see what's going on clearly. We just know that there's some like big spots in the brain that look funny. Um, she said they could just be cysts and they could drain over time. Um, but it depends how long they are there and how much damage they have done. Uh, so they wouldn't know the outcome, but that more scans would be helpful. So I think my husband was holding out a little bit of hope um, and I was pretending, but I don't know, in my heart, when I finally heard that, I was like, it kind of just makes everything else make sense. Yes, in terms of what you had been feeling throughout the pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So how do you leave that appointment? Uh, yeah, I just, I was shocked. I, I actually don't remember the drive home from that doctor's appointment. I remember walking into the house. My parents had come to watch the, the girls and my mom just looked at me and I just started crying. 
And I was trying to tell her what was happening and that we had to pack our bags because we had to be in Vancouver for the next morning. Um, it was all happening so fast. And I just, I don't remember any of it. I think I was just sitting on the couch numb like a statue. And my husband was running around the house trying to get the kids ready and trying to get uh, my clothes packed and everything. Um, and I, I was just absolutely frozen. Yeah, it's such a, it's, it doesn't make sense. And it's also like, you're getting told this information and you have to do all of these things. You have kids at home, you have to get them ready. You're leaving the next morning. And it's just such an unfair moment that you're not even given time to even process what has just happened because it's go, go, go into the, into what the next phase is, which is just feels like a cruel punishment. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, it, it felt really fast, but at the same time, I wanted answers as soon as possible. I didn't like the not knowing what the plan was or what was happening because it's kind of that limbo. Yeah. That area that's really uncomfortable. It's like, okay, well, is my baby have an option of being fine? Is my baby not fine? Like, what, what does all of this mean? Yes. So you go to Vancouver the next morning and what happens at the next appointment? Yeah. So we went to an ultrasound. Um, and the lady was really thorough. Uh, she was showing me all of the baby. Um, she was telling me how perfect she was. Her heart was perfect. All of her measurements were perfect. Her head size was perfect. And then she got to the brain and she said, yeah, this, does, this looks less than ideal. And she's like, we're gonna take some pictures and then uh, you guys are gonna go wait while we meet with a team of specialists and look up uh, case studies. So uh, we went for lunch. Uh, at the hospital and I just we just sat there waiting and I just told my husband if uh, if she's not compatible with life if she's not going to be okay like I don't want her to suffer yes and is that something that you and your husband were on the same page with from the beginning yeah he I didn't know how he'd take that I felt like it was I don't know it felt awful to say out loud um but I just knew it was the right, it would be the right call. Um, and he, he was 100% on board. He said he felt the exact same way, but he didn't want to say anything because obviously it was my choice. Hmm. Um, but he just kept trying to tell me like, you know, everything might be okay. We don't know yet, so. Yeah. And of course you want, you want to hold on to that hope, but you also don't want to get your hopes too high knowing what is very likely going to happen exactly so what is the ultimate diagnosis that you're given yeah well they don't have a name for it so that was really frustrating um but when we got to the table she had a picture of a brain and she blacked out all the parts that were missing wow um and she started to describe what they were for so breathing eating uh, motor function being able to stand movement that's why i'd never felt her kick oh my gosh and uh they just kept listing off all of this stuff um and i finally felt like they were beating around the bush um and my husband just said can you just give us a direct answer like what would our baby's life look like and they said honestly if you were to go and have her she might not make it past birth um, and if she does, her life would be devastating. Wow. That is just the worst moment anybody could experience at that phase of life. And it sounds like you had come to terms with that was what you were going to do. But then to be told, no, this is actually, this is yeah. what's going to happen. is just, you're not prepared. You're never prepared for that. No, it uh, really knocked the wind out of me. I just, uh, I felt like I was really in control. I was trying to be really present and listening to all of the answers and asking all of the hard questions because I had tuned out the last time a doctor talked to me. Yes. Uh, but the moment she said my daughter's life would be devastating, I kind of just broke down. I was like, okay, well, that's, that's it then. Like, the answer I'm not gonna, this baby's not coming home with me. Like, yes. Did you feel like you had support in that moment did you feel the doctors really understood how that diagnosis is truly devastating in a not just scientific way uh one of them uh was really supportive uh she understood where I was coming from she said she totally 
thought that I was making the right decision, that there was no wrong one. Um, the other one, I felt like just kept trying to convince me to have more tests. Mm. Um, she's like, well, you can have like amniotic fluid to get like a name for uh, what this is. Maybe we could figure out if it's like a chromosome disorder. And I was like, will that change the outcome? And she said, no, but then you wouldn't have to terminate. Maybe, maybe we'll have more answers. I said, well, more answers doesn't change the outcome. Right. And I, I felt like I had to convince her of my choice, which no. was exhausting in that moment. Yeah, the, that's not on you. You, <laughs> the last thing you need to do is to educate somebody else in that moment or, or get them on board. Yeah. And there's a clear answer here regard and, and why prolong that? Um, okay. Prolong the inevitable, which is just, it's, the most devastating thing that could that could ever happen yeah I mean it, it was so shitty like nobody wants their baby to not be okay um and then it also sucked to play a role in having to make that decision as a mother yeah and that is that is the ultimate decision of a mother I mean that is not choosing to not let your baby suffer is is the ultimate decision and it's the worst decision and it's the best decision. Yeah. And it sounds like it, were things moving pretty quickly from then? What was the, what yeah. was the termination, the loss process like? So they told me that I could go in the next day. Um, we had decided that I wanted to have a stillbirth. I didn't want to go through the, the D, DNR or whatever it's called. DNE, yeah. yeah. I decided that I wanted to do the stillbirth version. I wanted to, you know, make as many memories with my daughter as possible. Mm. Um, they said I could go in the next day, but I didn't have maternity photos. I had a big belly, but no pictures of it. And I just, I said, I wasn't ready. I also had two daughters at home. I didn't have any idea what was happening. <sighs> yes. So I wanted to go home and talk to them first. Yeah. Um, and what was that conversation like? Yeah, it was really hard. Um, not so much with my two-year-old because she was two, yeah. um, but my other daughter was five and her uh, stepmom had had a loss previously. Um, and I just, having to tell her just the look on her face, uh, it really sucked. <laughs> she had a lot, of, a lot of questions and I didn't have every answer. She just couldn't understand why this kept happening. I'm sure you had the same questions. Yeah. Mm. so you did you do a photo shoot yeah we actually uh reached out to the community and a photographer did a free photo shoot for us oh it's so nice yeah um they're photos that I treasure uh I'm crying in a lot of them but I mean they're absolutely beautiful so oh that's incredible that you had the foresight even in that moment that this is something that you want to be able to treasure and memorialize and to say, wait, 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 I'm not ready. I have, there's something I want to do first. Mm -hmm. I feel like in that moment, it's very easy to get wrapped up and just do what you're told and move on to the next phase, but good for you for being an advocate for yourself and understanding how important that would be and how special yeah. that would be later on. Yeah. So, I mean, I was not lucky, but uh, my daughter's stepmom again she had went through a loss and uh when I had told her she told me all the things that she did or wish she would have done and that's I was thankful for her because if if not I probably wouldn't have made that decision wow yeah I mean sometimes that's what you need is someone else who have gone through the same shitty experience to know yeah. what to look for or what to do so how much time passed between getting the that diagnosis, even though there wasn't really an answer to. <sighs> it was just under a week. Um, I was at home. Uh, my husband had to go back to work because he only has so much time off. Um, so I was at home alone. Um, that was a horrible idea. <laughs> oh, gosh. I just remember multiple times just trying to make a sandwich and then reality would smash into me and I'd be on the floor. Oh, yeah, because you're still pregnant in that moment she's still yeah. there and you and you know what's what's coming yeah oh it's like God. this impending doom that's gonna happen and you're just it just feels so unfair and so like how can this be my life right now mm -hmm. yeah 
And are there things that you are telling yourself in that moment to give yourself hope that you will be okay and that knowing this is the right thing to do? Yeah, um, I was really honest with my, uh, on my Instagram and online. Um, I reached out for support. Um, I got a lot of love and support. I had a lot of people in my life actually open up and it's surprising how many people don't talk about their own losses until you're going through it. Yep. <laughs> Which was really sad to know that you're, have all these people in your life that don't feel like they can talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, but then there were also the people that uh, tried to convince me that I was a monster and making the wrong decision. Of course. And that sucked. But, uh, in that moment, it, it's, it, it couldn't be more fresh or more raw. And to be told you're a monster when, I mean, it's just salt in the wound on steroids, you know, that's yeah. just, and no one knows what it's like until, until you're in that moment. And, you know, I've, I'm right there with you. I've been called a murderer more times in my life I ever would have thought. Um, yep. That's not helpful. No, uh, it's not. Um, and the crazy thing is, I've always believed in a woman's right to choose. Um, I never thought I would actually use that ever. Mm -hmm. So I just, every time somebody said that, all I said was, you're so lucky you're not in this position because you have no idea what choice you would make yes and that's I, I was it wasn't the selfish choice for me because the selfish part of me wanted to have my baby I wanted to grow her I wanted to love her I wanted to birth her and meet her even if that meant that she would die like that would have been the selfish part of me but the mother part of me was she's warm and safe and that's all she's known and I would like that to be all she ever does know oh yes that's all you you could ever want for your child is to be loved and safe. And if that meant for a short amount of time, that's the better alternative than a longer time that's painful and filled with suffering. Exactly. What was it like to meet Lennox? Oh, it was crazy. The whole experience of, you know, ending her life and then going into labor was really emotional um traumatizing really yeah it was not an easy process um and there were so many times that I wasn't sure I was going to go through with it it was so it was awful um but going through the labor part I I felt this excitement to hold her um which felt weird and then when they handed her to me uh I just thought she was the most beautiful thing in the whole planet. Oh. <sighs> Had this overwhelming uh, need to mother her. Mm. It was unexpected. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine in that moment when you're meeting your baby for the first time, which is normally the highlight of your life. And you are just so incredibly helpless in that moment. It's just, it's a cruel moment, but also special in the sense that you still feel that mothering instinct. Yeah, I still, uh, I don't know, it was weird. It was the most heartbreaking moment because the room was so silent. Um, and she was so cold, but at the same time, she was beautiful. She had these beautiful features and she had her dad's feet. Oh. And I just, you know, was proud to be her mom. Yeah. And that doesn't go away. It doesn't. I mean, we're coming up on five years since the loss and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of her or talk about her or, you know, miss her, love her. Just like any mother would. That's, that's your baby. That's your baby girl and always will be. And it's just a different circumstance that is just a really unfair one. Yeah. How do you possibly 
bring yourself to say goodbye to her? Oh, yeah, that was hard. They didn't have cold cots back then. So my time with her was very limited. Wow. I just remember holding her um, and kissing her. And then as time passed, I started to see that she was changing. And I didn't want my memory of her to be ruined. Uh, So asking the doctor to take her away, that was really hard. Um, And then leaving the hospital with no baby. uh, Oh, it felt so wrong. Yeah, it's it's completely against nature. You're going in the maternity ward, labor and delivery, you go through the labor, you go through the, the pain physically, you're expected to come out with your baby. I mean, it's it's just going against nature to walk out there empty-handed. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Did you have any type of burial or memorial for Lennox? No, we had her cremated. I bought a beautiful urn. That's a set of wings. Um, She's on my nightstand. Um, I can kiss her goodnight every night. Um, And then on her still birthday every year, we do, uh, me and my husband, um, just go spend the day uh, talking about her. Um, We paint rocks with the kids with her name on it and go hide them everywhere out in nature. I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. She's part of your life and she's part of your family and just really special way to keep her, keep her there. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I mean, clearly and rightly so that the trauma is still there, but maybe it's not as fresh as it was when it was happening. Yeah. What would you say to somebody else who might come to experience a similar devastation that you wish you would have heard before you experienced it? Uh, yeah. So I actually run a pregnancy loss support group in town. Mm-hmm. And I actually have moms who are going through the same thing who do reach out to me. And their question is always the same. Am I ever going to be okay again? The answer is yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I just share that because it gives you something to look forward to knowing that you're going to move through this. Um, that love, that loss, that grief, it's not going to get better. It doesn't go away. Um, but I don't know. I've learned so much from my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I talk about her and make her a part of my life, uh, the more I learn from her and the more thankful I am for her. Yeah. Yeah. She is part of your life. And it's, and I feel like sometimes people are scared to go there and, and want to erase it and not give in to the pain, but it's part of your story. She's part of your life and she always will be. Absolutely. I had found, and you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier that people often don't know what to say when Mm -hmm. they've heard I had an abortion or I lost a baby. And there are the people out there who are just cruel and purposely say the wrong thing, even though they just have absolutely no idea what it's like. But what did you find most helpful in terms of comfort and care from those people around you who who love you and they wanna support you? Yeah, uh, just people being willing to talk about it or say her name. people that recognize that I had a baby and don't just pretend it didn't happen because it's uncomfortable for them. Yes. I, I hated the tiptoeing, the, the people that wouldn't even bring it up. It's like they thought they were going to remind me that I lost a baby, but that doesn't really, that's, that's always there. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just people showing up, you know? Yeah. Are there any words that are most helpful to you? Um, people, will be like oh my gosh are you okay and and they mean they mean well but no I'm I'm not okay right now um not okay at all (laughs) yeah are there are there things that you would suggest other people who really want to help and be there they just don't know the right thing to say honestly 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind the question of are you okay or how are you doing as long as they were okay with my response. And my response is no, life fucking sucks right now. Yeah. Um, and having them reiterate, yeah, this does suck. You know, that made me feel like, oh, okay, they're hearing me. Um, that was the best. It's just people not trying to make it better, not trying to, you know, spread the positivity glitter all over it of, you know, it'll get better. Thing, things aren't as bad as you think. You're so lucky that you have two kids at home. Like, yeah, don't say those things. Just, you know, this sucks and it's okay to talk about how much it sucks. Right. Exactly. Just the honesty and the, the seeing you and understanding like, yeah, this is just the worst thing. This is just so cruel and unfair that you had to go through this rather than, well, at least this, at least, you know, those, we all know those words are the okay. words to hear. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What resources have you found most helpful for dealing with your own loss and grief? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm like the devourer of knowledge. Um, I love to read. I like to hear other people's experiences. It makes me feel less alone. And I really struggled with that when I was going through um, this because I felt like everything I was finding just wasn't what I was looking for. Um, lots of it was religion based, which is totally fine for those that, you know, find comfort in God and the plan and all of that. But I felt like that was just really dismissive for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of the books that the hospital gave me, they just, they actually made me more angry and more hurt because they're about parents that were making the same decision, but for different reasons. Uh, yep. And I just, for me, it was like, if I would have had that happen, like, I mean, it would have been life altering, but for me, it wouldn't have ended up this way. Like with a baby with Down syndrome, I would have been blessed to have a baby with Down syndrome. Um, but my baby was incompatible with life. So it was a very different thing. So I felt like it was a very unhelpful book for them to give me. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, I, I eventually found blogs um, that were really helpful and a book called It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Um, that was just really blunt about how much this sucks, how much grief sucks, how much loss sucks. Um, and I just found it really relevant and it made me feel grounded and less crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to pretend that I'm okay right now because I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Because I felt like everyone, it was like a couple of weeks and then everyone's like, okay, well, like go back to normal. But I never went back to that person. Yeah. I, I had to change. I had to grow. I had to adapt because life wasn't as peachy and rainbowy as it was before. It was, you know, I have this new sense of reality. Yes. I... I can so relate to that because when I had my loss, I took the day off of my procedure. I had a DNE and I went back to work that Monday. So my procedure was on Friday. I went back to work on Monday oh, wow. and you know, everyone's like, I'm so sorry. Um, but then they just expect that you go back to work and I am now six months past my loss and I'm still dealing with it but you don't want to feel like the burden that like uh Ashley's still she's still thinking about this and like I will think about this for the rest of my life and and people don't get it unless they go yeah. through it and I mean that's part of the reason I started this podcast was again just to feel that normalcy that like okay wait I'm not crazy that I'm still thinking about this two months later Absolutely. Yeah, it was so crazy. I remember saying, I don't want to be treated like the girl with the dead baby. But at the same time, I wanted people to talk about my dead baby. Yeah. And understand what you're going through on a daily basis that it's part of your life that it, and forever will be part of your life. And not a day goes by where you don't think about it. Forever. And it doesn't mean you're not having good days and you're not smiling and you're not laughing and you're not working hard, but it's still part of your life. Absolutely. I mean, five years, almost five years now. And I still, you know, there are moments where I'm just talking about her and it's totally, you know, normal and happy and whatever, because, you know, without her, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I'm forever grateful for that. But at the same time, like playing that back and uh, all the things that I had to go through and losing her and the idea that she's not here and she's never going to be a part of, you know, the day-to-day -day life or know her siblings or it sucks. I'm still going to cry about it because it's unfair. <laughs> 
yeah, and every little milestone or seeing a, her sister graduate or, you know, all these things that are just reminders that she's not getting to experience this. It's just, they're harsh reminders. Oh, exactly. Time. And then when you see kids who are, would be the same age as her, you're like, that's what my daughter would be like right now. See, uh, there's actually a mother who, um, has, who was pregnant at the same time I was. So every time I see her daughter at my daughter's school and she lights up and she's all like sweet and giggly, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what Lennox would be like right now. And it's, you know, it's, it's adorable to watch, but at the same time, it's like, you feel like you got ripped off. Totally. Yeah. It's completely valid. It's like, but Lennox was supposed to be that also. And it didn't happen for me. And there's like, as much as you don't want it, there is slight resentment and it's totally valid. Yeah. When is Lennox's still birthday? June 10th. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's the exact date of my loss. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's very weird. That is weird. Um, Okay. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So how can people around you celebrate her on June 10th? Yeah, uh, I mean, we light candles for her. Um, And I have people that aren't really a part of my life, but were back when I lost her that still always send, you know, thinking about you and your daughter Lennox. Mm -hmm. Um, Just saying her name or doing something small to remember her. uh, It goes a long way for me. Oh, yeah. Just just knowing that it's there um, and taking the time to mention it, uh, acknowledge it, um, that it's still part of her life, you know, just because she's not physically here doesn't mean that you're not thinking about it. Exactly. You are a mom to three wonderful living children. How have they helped you come to accept and love that this is your family, your family is now complete. Yeah, I mean, that was a hard place to get to um, because I had my two daughters and my two-year-old was always just really sweet and always hugged me every time I cried. And my other daughter was very, she was very wise because I would apologize and be like, I'm sorry, mommy's always crying. Mm -hmm. And she said, you're allowed to have feelings, mom. Um, but I didn't feel like my family was complete at that point. Uh, so we did try again, um, and then lost at eight weeks. Um, and then we waited a year and I wasn't sure if we were going to try again, but we decided that no matter what the outcome was, we were going to give it one last go because I just felt like I wasn't done, Mm -hmm. which was one of the most terrifying decisions to make, um, because it was just loss after loss after loss and they kind of just they just kept building on top of each other that grief um and it really all of that brought up my first miscarriage that I had never dealt with um I had to process all of those losses together and I was terrified the entire time I was pregnant with my son uh especially because it was the easiest pregnancy ever and morning sickness didn't really last so I didn't have that overwhelming feeling of being pregnant um always waiting for the shoe to drop um Mm -hmm but he got here. Uh, he was early at 35 weeks. Wow. It was another terrifying thing. Cause I was like, Oh dear God. Oh my God. Um, he spent seven days in the NICU. Um, but he was, he's perfectly healthy. He's now two. He'll be three, uh, this summer. Um, and I felt like once he was here, I, I felt complete. I felt like I was done. Um, and, and I still feel that way. You know, I feel like, uh, he was the last piece to the puzzle. Uh, there was a lot of grief and guilt that went into, you know, loving him so much. Cause I felt like he's only here because I lost his sister. Mm. Um, but I feel like he was a beautiful gift that, you know, came out of all of everything that happened. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I, I get it. The feeling of like, you don't want these devastating losses to be the last piece of the family puzzle and feeling like, bringing one last beautiful child in to, to round it out in a positive way is, is very healing. Yeah. I mean, not everybody gets that. And I know lots of people that after they've had multiple losses, they're just done. And I totally understand that too. Um, just for me, I just, I knew I wanted to go into it one last time 
knowing that no matter what the outcome was, that this was my last time because I didn't have that with the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I really get that. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm glad that that was, that was available to you. Yeah, me too. I'm, and I'm glad that it all worked out because, you know, he is, he is, he's just like light. That's what he is. He's everyone who meets him. They're like, he's just such a loving, beautiful soul. Like, I don't know. He's just, he's healed parts of me that definitely needed healing. I, yeah, it just sounds like that's what, that's his role. And it's not because he's being asked of it, but just because that's what he brings. Mm -hmm. Sky, thank you so much for talking to me and being so raw and open about your story. It's been such a pleasure and it's so nice to meet other people who have gone through this. It really is validating experience to hear other people's experiences. And I am it's just so incredibly sorry that this happened to you. It's never fair. It's just cruel. You feel like you're being punished and that doesn't go away that feeling, but it's really helpful to hear you talk about it so that other people going through it know that it's unfortunately normal. Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful that you started this podcast and that you're, you know, facilitating other moms being able to talk about their losses because I think it's so important. It gives, you know, moms a place to go to hear the other stories and to know they're not alone and to have that sense of, you know, maybe it does get better and maybe I can talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely that fear or that stigma that you're not supposed to talk about it. And that's what we're trying to erase because people feel so alone and it's, it's normal. And in, in any case, this should be the time when you're allowed to talk about it. It's when the time that you need the most amount of support and the most around, amount of love around you. And people are like forced into hiding. It's just unfair. <laughs> It is unfair. And that's why like, I've never supported the wait until 12 weeks, the safe zone to tell people you're pregnant. Cause it feels like they're already starting up the, we don't want you to tell us you're pregnant because we don't want to hear about your loss. Yeah. And, and then there's shame attached to that. You, it makes you feel like you did something wrong. If you did experience loss, because we don't want to hear about it. Don't talk about it. Exactly. And then sharing your loss becomes harder because then you're not only sharing you're sharing that you were pregnant and that you lost all at once rather than, you know, sh sharing your joy and excitement and then sharing that you lost a baby. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I know I am. Um, I'm right there with you in the, in the 12 week wait, I don't understand it. And I think that is an unwritten rule that needs to be rewritten. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you and I will be thinking of you and, and every June 10th, especially since we yes. share that date. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Unexpecting. Join our community by following us on Instagram at Unexpecting Podcast. If you'd like to share your story on our show, email us at unexpectingpodcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash unexpecting. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And remember, today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows. Take care.